A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's football legend Jamie Redknapp for Skechers ArchFit Footwear. Okay, I know what you're thinking. ArchFit Footwear? Ah, I don't need Arch support. Well, I thought the same, and these are still my favourite trainers. You see, Skechers ArchFit are great for virtually everybody. ArchFit was designed by experts giving you podiatrist-certified Arch support and all-day comfort. Plus, I don't wear them just for Arch support. I love how they look too. Feel what you've been missing with Skechers ArchFit. Find Skechers ArchFit footwear for men and women everywhere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Long Run Show live stream and podcast. Not a live stream this week because we have recorded this show because um, Chris and uh, Toby are heading up to uh, Ben Nevis as we speak. So this is a podcast where we have brought together all your questions about the London Marathon, and we are going to try and answer as many as we possibly can today. Its show is sponsored by our good friends at Sketches. So um, here we are, Taps, joined by Hayden. Hayden's with us. A veteran of two London marathons, Chris. You've done five. I'm cut now. I'm do I'm going to be getting my fifth London Mar- London marathon medal, if you could say that quickly. Yeah, Pete um, Tiefins this time round. So yeah, I'm, I'm going for gold uh, this time. Yeah, and Toby's done it before. And I used to uh, live just down the road from. Uh, I'm right in the middle of um, the intersection where um, in the first mile where people um, sort of like converge into the different routes. So uh, I know a little bit about the area. If there's any sort of um, questions about. Um, the logistics of the event having exactly. not done it myself but um well we've got plenty of questions fellas because people have been yes. um bringing us through some so we might as well crack on we're going to start with the ones that um are relevant to um preparation in the last mm-hmm. few weeks at the marathon because mm-hmm. we're only three weeks away now so yeah, um this, yeah. so um yeah we're three weeks away so um, we want to get all those and then we will get through as many questions regarding the race as possible and if we don't get through them all We've got a window perhaps in the next couple of weeks where we'll bring them into the main show when we do the normal live stream. So mm-hmm. if we don't say your question, don't panic. We'll probably be able to get those. So you good people were able to email us at longrunshow at gmail.com. Before we crack on, please um, bear in mind that you can get a 10% off at startfitness.co.uk using the code 40runs. And we still have tickets available, don't we, Chris? For the National Running Show. Yeah, we're doing a live show at the National Running Show. So if you're not doing London this year, maybe you're listing this, I don't know, December, because you've just got a London Marathon place in the ballot. Yeah. We're going to be at the uh, the National Running Show in January. I'm going to get these dates wrong. Probably should know. 21st, 22nd, I think it is, uh, in Birmingham. You can it's get around there. It's that weekend. Use the code 40 runs. And we're going to be doing a show all about training for a marathon. We're going to be answering your questions live. We're going to be recording it putting it out as a pod as well. Uh, but we are going to be unpacking the box that is marathon training um, in that live episode. So closer to the, to the time, we're going to be wanting your questions and input for that show. But obviously, we're going to have a live audience as well. So it's yeah. going to be quite unique. Um, so make sure you come along to that because I think you'll get a lot out of that. But if you're running this year's one, this will also can't help you but the great thing is about this boys this is evergreen content that we're creating which is why so many people across the world are tuning in now if you've not joined our fa- if you're listening to this podcast and you've not joined our facebook group 
It's the 40 rounds around the community on Facebook. Uh, and you're living in like Mongolia or something. It's actually a criminal offence now. So you need to join, right, this group. And also King Charles III, I've had it rumoured that he's now going to put it into law in this country, the new king. He's going to make it mandatory that if you are a runner, you do join the 40 rounds around the community. So be aware, people. You could soon be breaking the law. And we have policemen and women in the 40 rounds community who are going to make sure those rules are followed. I'm thinking of Charlie, for example, Wilco. Um, so, yeah. So make sure you – I think you get the point. Join the Facebook group. Um, <laughs> we like that. Uh, so uh, what's our um, first question? I'll tell you what, actually, before we get into the questions, because I know we've got mountains of them, and this will be a slightly shorter episode. Um, boys, what was your experience? What is your overriding experience of the London Marathon? Obviously, Wilco, you're excluded from it, so sorry about that. You just play with the buttons for a minute. Oh, no, that's totally true. Um, well, uh, Hayden, what, what's your sort of overriding conclusion, feeling, thoughts about the London Marathon in general before we get going? This evening, everyone, by the way, uh, ultimately, it comes down to it. It's that it's the crowd. It, it is the crowd. Obviously, for a lot of people like myself, being a Londoner, it's almost like a home run. So it feels I have a bigger connection as some people would with Great North who live up north, etc. But it's just the crowd. It's the support. I think it's one of the most well-supported marathons in the world. It's just got so much history. It's running around locations that you know. They're iconic locations, places you see on the telly every day. It's just, it's just everything about London Marathon just sits absolutely right. It's a big city, big marathon, mm. big race. Massively supported. It's, it's just, it just has everything you want in a marathon. It just has. It's just, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do a marathon. You're going to, you know, lace up and try and go through that 16 week slog. Some, some people's even longer. You know, yeah. you want, you want a race that, that brings out those emotions in you, wherever you are in the world, whether it's the Peru marathon or, you know, the Philippine marathon, Manila marathon. Um, we're massively. Probably. Yeah, we're massive out here. But what, and my point is, whatever, what, like Hayden just said, you want somewhere that's going to bring those emotions out from you um, if you're going to sign up for that marathon. So I think, yeah, you're, you're on the money. What about you, Tope? I think you say, Hayden said, it's a support. It's got sort of gravitas around it as well. It's the thing, everybody knows it. It doesn't kind of matter where in the world I think you are. If you say London Marathon, and everyone will, will it'll be a race that anyone wants to do. Uh, and we're lucky enough that it's, almost on our doorstep and say so it's, it's round all those icons, those streets that you, you go around anyway and you sort of go along and go, I ran down here. That yeah. bit was really hard. But <laughs> and that bit I really enjoyed. Um, and I think you say, especially down the mile and stuff like that, the finish line, I don't think there's many better marathon finishes than that, um, which might be different to people this year as well. I think Chris yeah. touched on it as well. You, you mentioned the word emotion a few times. I've been to watch a London Marathon probably more times than I, yeah, definitely more times than I've run it. I'll tell you what, watching it is it's draining. It's emotional. Yeah, mate, you're right. It, it really is emotional. It gets to you. And that's what yeah. gets you initially. You think, I'm going to do this one day. Mm. And that's what it's about. Yeah, it's like, a, it's for me, it's like a drug in a way. It's like, if you're not running it, you're watching it or, or you're supporting somebody or some people that are there or a chariot or whatever, but you kind of get ingrained within the, the whole thing, you know, just the, the, the whole experience. So yeah, if you're, if you're not trying to get in the ballot and you, you know, or, you know, maybe you get a chariot place, whatever, but if you're not doing that, maybe you're volunteering or you're, you know, you're, 
you're somehow involved within the day because it is it's within the psyche of, of I think most runners here in the UK. It is it's ingrained in us because of probably the coverage on the TV and we all look at it. Um, and so many people you ask them, you know, what's your bucket list race? If you're, you're obviously UK based, again, apologies to all our US listeners where we're huge and climbing up the charts and the podcast. Um, but if you you ask anybody, most of them, I would say nine out of 10 will say the London Marathon, that it's their bucket list race. To, one, because it's so bleeding hard to get into yeah. uh, and you've got to remortgage if you want to do a charity place. But it, it, it is the one that people say they want to do, and rightfully so. I mean, Wilco, is it, is, is, I know you're a big fan of the Great North Run and the Big Half, yep. which is Pony, but um, are you... Oh, is the is the London Marathon at the top of your at the top of your menu? Yeah, it's definitely you know I'd, I'd be foolish to say that you know that it's not one I did. Particularly as I used to um I used to live on the route virtually. Yeah, you know just down and I used to uh, spend a lot of time um either running around Greenwich Park and uh, I lived in Charlton's, which is just down by sort of like on the way to Woolwich Barracks. When you go down, you know, to used sort to be like a football Marble club over there, there, but they moved. No, they're still there, team. mate. No, there's yeah, a little team, about... little team from Woolwich. I can't yeah. remember what they were. You'll have to talk to my daughter red. about them, mate. She'll sort can't you remember. Out. Yeah, anyway, Karen. Yeah, and um, Greenwich was local to me too. So I used to like going around there. And yeah, it's obviously, you know, it's um, it's like you say, everybody would like to have a go at that, wouldn't they? Yeah, Shall right. We, uh, let's, yeah, let's we go back on. on to the lucky, some of these lucky people who have got the opportunity. Yeah, very yeah. lucky. Little queries that they want to write right. over. So like I said, the first few are about um, sort of like prep and things like that before the race. So I shall start with uh, Laura Haynes, who says, um, I get up early to run, half past five till uh, six o'clock, have a cup of coffee, stretch and go with no food. With London starting later, should I change my morning routine or should I just hope for the best on the day? I wasn't listening. I was reading an email. Oh. So I've got an important email from from my hotel about this weekend. So you you let what was the question again? <laughs> Hayden. So <laughs> she runs early in the morning. Laura. She goes out about half past five, six o'clock in the morning. She doesn't have anything to eat. Now she's doing London. Obviously that starts at nine o'clock ish, something like that. I'm she doesn't need to eat until she goes to work at half past nine, ten o'clock. Should she change her routine, or should she wing it on the day? It's a, it's a tough one because obviously the most important thing with all marathon training is not to change routine. Uh, if we were talking about this 10 weeks ago, the first thing we'd be saying to her is, no, stop this. Get used to a routine of having something to eat an hour or so before you go out on your runs. But the fact now, when this goes out, we're going to be two weeks away. She's into a routine. So it's, it's a difficult one. But ultimately, you need to fuel before that marathon. You can have all the best gels and the best fuel strategy, everything you're thinking about, but ultimately you need to start with something in your stomach. So even only two weeks out now, she's got probably one smallest, medium, eight, 10 miler coming up this weekend. Try something, even if it's something little like a bit of porridge, a bagel, just a couple of hours. She gets up early, fair enough. You don't want to go up any earlier. But if she's looking at running nine o'clock, she needs to be eating around about seven o'clock. Make sure her next run on that Sunday, maybe delay that a little bit. Try it if you can. Try and make that longer run at about eight, nine o'clock. Try and replicate the marathon. And then that way, try a couple of hours before something light. It hasn't got to be something that's going to make, it's going to be stodgy. It's going to upset her tummy. Just something she normally has, i.e. a bagel or, you know, 
I don't know, even something, just anything to get inside her stomach before she starts on that start line, because it's a long way before you're going to start getting any sort of like proper fuel inside you. And as good as gels are, they're not really a substitute for proper hard food. So if I was her, yeah, I, I think I would take the chance two weeks out and just try, I, I, try something, try something new, even if that goes against the grain. He's on the money. I think, I think, yeah, if you, if we'd have, if we'd have got this advice, if we if we were giving this advice out a few weeks ago, I'd have said change it up, do one of your long runs, same time as race day on Sunday, practice your fueling, try um try it on a, a maybe a one or two shorter ones, and then go put it in your into your long run routine. Mm-hmm. I appreciate now what Hayden's saying, one million percent about changing anything now. But unfortunately, you are going to have to find a, a happy medium in terms of balancing out some form of fuel intake for the morning. Um, I would really not recommend running it starved at the start. So I think you've got a couple of weeks. Um, so whether you're, you know, I don't know what mileage you're doing. I don't know where you are in terms of, you know, your running. But try and pick one of those medium distance runs. So let's say six miles. I'm 10K, six miles. Try that, do it on there. And if that works, then whatever that, so if you've got a longer run in the week, whatever your longer run is in the week, do it on that one and then do it on the long run of that week. Mm. And I know it's a pain because you're getting up early, but really it's worth taking one for the team and getting up a little, uh, getting up a little bit, you know, and having something to eat and trying it out. But do it on a slightly shorter one first, just in case you get into trouble, which there's no reason why you'd get into trouble, but just in case. And then and, def- and definitely do those two taper runs. So whether it's, I don't know, whatever's in your plan, 13 miles and six miles or, what you know, 10 and four, whatever it is, just replicate and try and run on a Sunday the same time as the race day. So race starts usually between 10 and 11, for the argument's sake. So do somewhere between there that suits you in terms of time on, on a Sunday and, and do that. Great. Thanks, Laura. I hope that is helpful. Um, our next question is from uh, Deborah O'Mahony, who's in um, who's in Ireland. Um, she's got a question about pacing for the marathon. How am I supposed to know what my marathon pace is? I'm doing my, slong, uh, my long slow runs at around 6.20, 6.30 per kilometre, but was hoping to run four hours. How am I supposed to know if I can maintain about 5.40 for 26 miles when I've never had to do it for more than an hour in my training plan? Well, I question your training plan. I question a question who's given you that plan. If you've got that online, I'd love to know where you got that from because it should be torn up. Um, so just anybody who's listening to this right or watching this, a bit of a heads up. Qualified running coach, athletics coach, Tobe as well, qualified coach, Hayden qualified leader, right? So we're giving advice here based on stuff that we've actually gone to school about all right okay so just putting that out there so we're not just some geek off the street who's making this sort of stuff up but in your in your runs you should have been doing elements of goal pace now i appreciate you may not know that but you said in that email that you're looking for sub four now i don't know whether that's based on a, a previous marathon effort where you was close and you think you can now go at that but you should have been running element. This is all looking backwards. But you should have been running elements of your of your runs midweek. You should be doing goal paced effort. You should be putting some of that goal pace into some of that long run as well. Um, so it's not just going out and running easy. Everything that doesn't that does. Listen, if you're just trying to finish the damn thing, that's that's fine. Okay, that's going to build a nice aerobic base, and you'll be able to get it done. But if you're targeting the time, which it sounds like you are, 
really you should have been putting elements of goal pace during your workouts in the week. Um, and they should have been factored into those runs. So a little bit disappointed in your training plan. Wish I could have known earlier and I could have, we could have swerved you off of that a little bit better. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. You might, you might surprise yourself. Um, hmm. but there is a, you know, there's obviously I think she's sort of like saying like, because say if you have an element of, you know, you talked about elements of, um, goal pace. Say if you're doing, um, if you're on a long run, you might do sort of like eight miles or so. Say you're doing 20 miles, you might do sort of like six or seven miles, say at your goal pace. But then she, perhaps she's suggesting that she's only done that for an hour. How does she know that she can do that for four hours when she's only done it for that? Does she say she's done it for an hour? She said, yeah. yeah. So she, she said, I've never she's... done it for more than an hour. So is that, yeah. So again, is that part of a long run? Is that, is that a midweek run? It's, it's, it, do you see what I mean? Because it's good if yeah. she's doing it, been doing it in her long runs because then she's running it fatigued and it's the end of the run. And then she's obviously building on that and we're getting the max benefit of doing that. Right. But if she's just doing one goal paced effort in the week and it's, and it's up to an hour, then really we needed her to blend that into the long run. Yeah. So it's because to go out and run fresh at goal pace for a short distance, it's, you know, she's well within herself. Do you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. that's good. I'm not saying it's not good, but, it's a different circumstance to running that consistently yeah. for a period of time. That's why we try and put them into the long runs, start, you know, little bits in there and sort of, you know, scatter it in there and then build it up into those mm-hmm. long runs. So you build that endurance and you build that time mm-hmm. at that goal pace in those runs because that's what we're so out of. Hayden, you'd take it on the end as well, would you? Yeah, I probably would. As Chris touched on it before, this whole thing with marathons, it they're not easy. This needs to be planned. Whole idea of a 16-week plan, it has structure. And at the very, very beginning, if you want to run a marathon, you want to run it well. I'm not talking about just getting round, you want to run it well. You at the start, that's the good thing about getting a coach. You look at your your target pace, you look at your slow pace, you look at your tempo pace, you get them set out, then you work the runs around them. And as you said, as the as the as it progresses, you get to feel what that race pace is like. And then you start to insert it into long runs. And you know if it's going to feel comfortable, if it's doable, if it's not. And then you can cut back or you can make, maybe make it even quicker. The fact she's run an hour, uh, so we're looking hour, she wants to do sub four, 540, about 11K. So she's run 11K at target pace within a run. You know, it's not, it's not like it's unachievable. And she's done a lot of her long runs around 620. She's not far off the mark of what she should be doing her long runs. It's just maybe that target pace should have been encompassed a little bit more within mm. her plan but we don't know mm. maybe she was she maybe she has this is the thing we don't know yeah it's very difficult because obviously you know for the sake of brevity that people can only give us so much detail when we've got these questions and we can't but what i would say we're history, I, think, we? I think if you're listening to this um it's a good point to take away from the question which is if you've got like hayden just said if you've got a time in mind and you're doing a marathon then have your plan structured accordingly yeah there is a big difference between just finishing the damn thing, which is there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay. Then there is. So if I get, okay, like, so I've got two coaching clients, right. And I've got them at the moment. As we sit here, I've got a couple like this. I've got a handful of people who are just literally thinking I've got to finish this. Then I've got people, you know, one of them's really going for it, but some of them are looking for a time. The two plans, to be honest with you, couldn't be further apart in terms of how they're structured. Right. And also how I'm, managing those clients is a completely different way we, we are literally talking how you're feeling how did that pace feel how's your recovery how do you feel an hour after how do you feel two hours after 
maybe adjust the speed in a couple of the runs in the week, maybe pull back on a little bit more, maybe, you know, change up the long run. So it's a little bit more race pace focused because we've lacked off, we've backed off in some of the other runs in the week. Where the people who are just doing it for fun, it's like, right, actually, I need you a little bit more time on feet. I don't want you running for more than three hours this weekend. And I want those efforts in the middle of the week to be pretty easy, but I want one at a slightly higher. So let's go seven out of 10 in terms of effort. Do you see what I mean? Can you see clearly yeah. see the difference? You've got one that's much more pace and and, and sort of um, yeah race day focused and adjustment, where the other one's a little bit more time on feet and sort of effort level. So they're totally different things, and that's that's how you should go if you're going into a marathon training or even half marathon, any training. To be honest with you, it, you you need to think about it, your end goal, and then work backwards. Right, and that's hopefully. Now, I think she'll probably get it. But if you, you know, it's hard to sit there and go up and running at 6.23. How the hell am I going to run 5.40? Well, you know what? Do it. Give it a go up to halfway. See how you feel. As I always say with with a marathon, go out at your target pace, on the target pace. Don't get too Larry Large and go hard at the start. But go out at, at on the money and, and even split it. And then when you get to 13 miles, I always say it to everybody, Check yourself over. How am I feeling? How do my legs feel? Mentally, how am I? And then adjust. If you feel good, you carry on. Maybe try a negative if you're feeling a little bit lively. But remember, 20 miles is going to kick you in the butt. So just mm. see how you feel at 13 miles and then, then adjust accordingly. But give it a go. Go out at gold pace and see how you feel. And also, um, this, the gold pace she's talking about is within a training run at a I don't know how soon she's asked this question from her last run where it doesn't feel that great. Remember, in three weeks' time, she's going to be – she's fully rested. When it comes to race day, she's at that peak fitness, thing. ideally. All that rest in her legs, fully carved up, that makes a big difference. Adrenaline on the start line, you're on a exactly. race day, that will make a massive difference. Do not underestimate the power of the taper. If you yeah. do the correct taper, right, a taper is there to – there's all science and repair muscles and build up stores of this and whatever. Right. But effectively it's there to recover you for race day. Right. And that's the, it's a fine balance. It's a bit of a black art in terms of getting your taper right uh, between, you know, if you've been over training or under training, it's hard to find the balance with the taper, right? Getting it right is a hard thing to do. Sometimes you can get it completely wrong, but if you get it right, you will feel like a new person on race day. Right. And, and when you get into that race, you will feel the benefit of that extra sleep that you've been having. You will feel the benefit of the glycogen stores that you've built up. You will feel the benefit of the, the recovery that your muscles and, and the healing that your muscles have been able to do. You've been in a plan. You've been in training for 13 weeks, doing mileage that you may not have done. You've been doing mileage that you're not used to. You've been doing time on feet that's probably totally uncomprehensible 10 weeks ago. You might have been on your feet for three and a half hours. It's mental. Who runs for three and a half hours? So think about what you put your body through mentally as well as physically, okay? Mm. You're going to have three weeks to come down from that, which is good news. So you will feel like a totally different – you'll feel a bit paranoid, but you'll feel like a totally different person on race day because if you've got your taper right, you'll feel great. So, yes, as Hayden just absolutely rightly said, you probably will surprise yourself with that race pace and you will be able to hold it longer than you think. But like I said, just check yourself over all the way through as you go through it um, to make sure. Okay, Denver, thanks. 
ever so much for that question. We um, wish you the best of luck, obviously, and hope it goes okay. Um, next one, Steve Drew. Um, Steve is 15. He's running his first London Marathon. Mindset-wise, I'm feeling quite strong. Um, the thing is, I'm 131 kilos. What should my nutrition and hydration look like in these final weeks to ensure my energy levels are where they should be? Is it all proteins and carbs? Oh, this is right. going to be a question for you, Wilco, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be. Wilco's got your name. <laughs> no, right, i tell you what. I'll jump in before because uh, it's a good one, actually, uh, before I get in. Firstly, what's that in, like, layman's term? That's big. As it, he's a big lad. Okay, mm. right. So one of my clients is, is a big lad, okay? Um, you guys met him, Gary. He won't say he's – but, you know, he's, he, he'll, he'll firstly openly admit that he's put a bit of timber on since he, his heyday, let's put it. But he's an absolute legend. He's been working his socks off in his marathon training, and I'm really, really proud of him, okay? Um, and he's been training really hard. We had a conversation about his hydration because he said to me at the big half, he had cramping in his calves uh, about 10 mile. And I asked him about his hydration because I think we underestimate hydration and, and the impact that it can have on your body. Now I said to him that, you know, w- what's your drinking like? What you're not, not like your drinking Wilco, but what was <laughs> your, you know, your fluid intake. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Like, like in terms of you know during the day. Uh, leading up to a race, how many, how much coffee are you having and all that sort of stuff. And then we went through it and, and we realised basically he's, he's not hydrating enough. So I said to him, you know, it's not exact rule of thumb, but I try and have, when I'm marathon training, two electrolyte drinks a day. One of them's usually in the morning and then one of them's after my run. And I change, I use different products because if you have too much of one of them, it can give you the, you know, at the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are a bit strong, right? So find two and also try and find some that are more natural, okay? Because some of these ones like High Five and all that, they got so much sugar and tooting in them. You might as well just go into the cupboard and eat a bag of sugar, right? So just try and go more natural is my point on that. So I try in marathon training, especially in summer, but in any ways, a rule of thumb to have two electrolyte drinks a day. I also, um, and I can say that now, because it's like we've got a race coming up, I will cut down on the amount of coffee that I have because coffee dehydrates you. Now, coffee is good on race day, by the way. I'm not saying don't have coffee because there is scientific evidence and proof that it does, you know, it's a stimulant and it will help you on race day. But the day before, look at what you're drinking because if you're drinking loads of coffee, caffeine can dehydrate you. So, again, make sure you're having plenty of hydration leading up to your event or to a big effort. So, like, let's say you're in marathon training, you've got 20 miles at the weekend. What's your hydration like? It's real simple, right? For us boys, the way I see it, is to do the wee test. So mm. every time you go for a jimmy, if it's clear, touch. I'm on I'm on, I'm on. on track. If it's a little bit yellow, I know it's a bit crude, sorry, everyone. But if it's a little bit yellow, you need to get on it, right? And you need to get your hydration. Because 
it affected Gary with his cramping. And I, and I, and I generally, and we had a conversation, I put that down to his hydration. Mm. So in terms of that, I hope that gives you something, something to think about. Um, in terms of nutrition, yes, protein is important as a recovery. Um, it's important to balance your diet out. That's, that's the key to this marathon training game, right? Because your metabolism speeds up. You're out there burning loads of calories off because you're doing all these big miles. The temptation is, is to go, I'm just going to eat like a pig, like Toby, right? That's not the case. You don't need to do what Toby does and go on the speed go diet. You just need to balance out your diet and just blend it out. It's not rocket science with, with good stuff and some of the, you know, if you want to go bad stuff, but try and blend it out. Try and think a little bit more protein after your runs. Try and put a little bit more carbs into, into the build up into your runs, but just don't go mad. You don't, you don't need as much calories as you think. I'll tell you that now. You don't need to put so much in thinking, this 20 mile run, I've got to eat 3000 calories. No, you don't. Okay. And it's the same with your carbs. You don't need to have a bucket of pasta on Saturday night. It's, it's, you know, it's just madness. Try and just build up those carbohydrate stores a little bit, little and often. Yes, increase your intake of carbohydrates Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe. But, you know, it's, you don't want to go overkill. The worst thing you could do is bloat your stomach out and, and put all that water retention in there. It's, it's just madness. So blend your diet out is is the key to, to nutrition. Again, right, we aren't nutritionists. I know it's I know it's incredible to believe that we aren't qualified nutritionists, especially Wilco with his 18 pints before he did the Edinburgh Marathon. But just be Over about you, three weeks. <laughs> you, know, you know what's bad. You know what's good. You know what you're putting in. Think about it. We've said it before. Think about it like an engine. What you're putting in is what you're going to get out of it, right? But, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, we get one life. We want to enjoy ourselves at the same time. If you're like me, I like to run so I can eat what I want. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I do it. So just, yeah, just balance it out. Just there is there is foods that will help recovery. There's superfoods that you can eat and beetroot. You know you can knock yourself out on beetroot and nitrates the week before if you want to turn your poo purple and all this sort of stuff. Whatever you want to do, but yeah, just go just go balance. What do you think, boys? You know anything else to add on that one? To, to what I would like to add to it is you said he's 130 kilo. Yes. So you're looking at about 20 stone. To be fair. Absolute kudos. He's going to complete the London Marathon. He's going to go for a London Marathon. 20 stone guy. That is a big, big challenge Maybe. in itself. And if Maybe. he's up to that, absolutely. Don't worry about your food and that. <laughs> he knows he's got this. That is an absolute fate beyond most people running. Yeah, like. play, That's like a sub 230 or something, I'll tell you. Yeah, fair, fair play. Fair play to the geezers. You know what I mean? Right. Wilco, what's next? Thanks, Steve. Thanks, mate. Thanks for that question. I hope the boys think. Right. We've got another Drew question. It's Adam Drew, our friend. And um, this is a training related question. I got myself some vapor ply next percentage twos, which I was using to smash out some runs, but they didn't last long. Lasted three runs and four runs per pair. I now have a pair box fresh, but do I use them on marathon day for the first time or do I wear them for a short run the week of the preparation? Type over to you. Oh, sorry, Hayden. We've got type. I'll take them out for a little spin first. Just make sure that they uh, there's nothing untoward with them. I was going to say type because you come a cropper with this, didn't you? With the yeah, alphas, yeah. Yeah, he was the alphas. They were my alphas, yeah. I've got a blister on my on doing a half before um, and then didn't wear them for my marathon for that yeah, reason. Totally, yeah. But even Sorry, if it's a shoe. 
you've already used that that same shoe before, but a different actual shoe. It's worth to take them out for a little spin anyway, I reckon. Hmm. What's it yeah, going to no, do? What's the arm? The fact that the fact that he's running vapor flies, he's done a few. He obviously knows the shoe, even though it doesn't sound like it's performed well for him. So if I was him, I'd look at getting alternative shoes anyway. If they're breaking down after three or four runs, but. At the end of the day, if he's used to running vapor flies, as you said, just just needs a, a break in, maybe a ten k, one of your yeah. slower runs, just to make sure that they're not all cardboardy and tough up. If you're used to running them, I think they'd be absolutely fine after a ten k run. Mm. Mm. I know. Right, um, what's the I know Paul Tonkinson, who does the um, does the other part. He did when he did his free, a sub free marathon. He he buys a box pair, box fresh pair to wear for a marathon, but he's used the same model for years and he always gets the same one. So hang on. And does hundreds on. of miles in them. So no, more importantly, there ain't what other podcast? There is no oh, other. Yeah, well you do the thing. Anyway, we're moving on now. Now we are not in um we're talking race day now. So um this is from uh our friend Sue Quinn, Hartford forty. Um she's she's also said that she wanted to share a tip that your name will be on the top of your Shirt, but get your friends to shout something different, i.e., a surname or a nickname, as it makes you easier to spot them. That is a good shout, good idea. Exactly, that's why um, I've got 40 on my tops. Sue is thinking about pace. Where on the route is the GPS bad? Please don't say all of it. it. All of it. <laughs> and any tips for keeping a constant pace in those sections? Um, uh, real simple one. Uh, just look at your total time. So, on my Garmin. Guys, if you've got your Garmin's out, look at your overall time. So know whether you ride it on your hand or whether you get a pace pocket, uh, ride it on your hand. So what you should be going through at 5K at, 10K at, half at, 20 miles, but what not what like but what time you should be there. So when you start, I know it's hard because you don't know what, but so after an hour and 20 minutes, where like, so for example, right, okay, easiest, this is a better way of doing it. At 1.52, I should be going through 13 miles. Got it? So it's, yeah. it's working that out, you know, knowing what pace you're, if you're good at your pacing, it's to know where you should be at at those times. So have it written on your hand, pace pocket, whatever it is on your arm or whatever, but don't look at the actual, you know, your splits, your pace, you know, per kilometre, per mile. Look at your total, total time that you've been out there. Because you can get That's those wristbands, can't you? So that if you're yeah, saying you pocket. want to go for a sub 430, yeah, then you can pocket. get one and it will tell you where to be. And, of course, you know, the, the mile markers, they're going to be right, you know, so you don't have to worry about Yeah, exactly. So that's the best way to do it is to know what time you should be arriving there is, is the key. So good example for me, 152, I'm okay. Thanks very much. So, right, next one. Uh, Wilco, do we right. need to do any quick? Do we need to do quick fire ones? Because we could no, speak. We're well, you, you've got to stop talking, mate, and we might get for a few. Oh, yeah, sorry, boss. <laughs> I think I just got told off, lads. Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, right, next, Hilary Hopkinson. She says there's a lot of runners, but does the field spread out a bit? Is there enough no. space to run your own run? No. Any tips to avoid running up the back of other people's legs oh, and having we? the same done to me? She's running. She's in New Zealand. Legend. Big whereabouts in New Zealand, email the show at newzealand.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, yes and no. There are, it, it can, it does string out after about three miles. In fact, I know when it does. After you've done Tower Bridge, it tends to string out a bit. After halfway, it tends to string out. Whatever you do, don't weave because you're just wasting energy. Um, hopefully, you've put yourself into a wave that 
that works for you. Stay away from the Pacers if you don't want to be with them because they obviously carry a crowd with them. They do a good job, but stay away from them if you don't want to be around people. But um, stay, I would stay off the left-hand side as well because that's where people tend to walk, um, unless you're one of those complete idiots that just do it through the middle, which doesn't help anybody. Uh, but, yeah, most people stay, stay left because they're courteous and they walk on the left-hand side. There's nothing wrong with walking, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I would try and get in a way that, that, you know, you can get a bit of clear air, but just be aware there's 50 or thousand runners and it, and it, and it will be, it will be busy, especially up until halfway. And then it sorts, it, then it tends to thin out a bit um, because, you know, paces start drifting and, you know, faster runners going through. So that's, that's usually that. Right. What's the next one? Okay, Charlotte Chapman, she's in Cornwall. She'd like, what are five things you recommend are essential for post-marathon recovery? I'll take one from each of you. Well, no, I'll, I'll clear that one easy. Clear on, it, we can move on to the next one. I'll just put a video out. Watch that video on the 40 Runs YouTube channel. Everything to stick in your bag. Just go to 40 Runs YouTube channel. There is a uh, video up on there recently about everything you need to put in your bag. Just watch that. It's got literally it's got everything that you need in it. So move on. For your post goes, Kelly. Okay. Matthew Harris. Um, Hayden, I'll ask you this one. Would you recommend carrying water and fluids on you personally, or are there enough fuel stations on the course? Well, the course itself is designed of sort of standards to have enough water stations and fuel stations on it. But a lot of it comes down to it's it's personal choice. A lot of people these days, I know Fordy himself and Tobes. They've trained with the, they've done Edinburgh, I think you did, with the hydration vests on, taking your own fuel and your own water. It's just a matter of personal preference, but whatever you do, make sure it's something you're practicing. If, you have, if you're not used to wearing that hydration vest and you're not used to taking your own water with you, don't do it on the day. It's the last thing you want to do. I personally think that there's enough water stations around in the marathon to keep you going. And I think they're strategically designed where they are, to, not to limit your water intake, but to get it just right. The last thing you want is to be starting to, Feel that bit gets a bit tougher, a bit warmer, and you keep drinking and drinking and drinking. It, it, it's not going to end well. So I think they're actually putting them out strategically in the right places. Personally, I would never take water with me on a marathon and just rely on the fact that the organisers know what they're doing. And I'll just take it as we go along on the tables. You concur with that, Chris? Yeah, uh, yeah. we used them in Edinburgh because we didn't want to use um, what was on course. We was uh, a little bit nervous about when and where it would be. London, I've done enough times to know that there's plenty out there for me. Uh, the only year we came a cropper, which was not their fault, was when it was hotter than the sun and we ran out of water at Millwall. But other than that, every year it's been on the money. I personally wouldn't carry a hydration vest around London, but I do know people who will wear them. Um, but just make sure whatever way you, you've got your hydration, and your fueling sorted for race day. But yeah, there's plenty, plenty out on course. Okay. Jamie Kominski um, asks, what part of the course do you feel was the hardest physically and mentally? What do you do to keep pushing yourself in those moments? I can't, I'll go with this one. I, I know yeah. Jamie, actually. She's a Surrey 40. And I, I think especially with her because I know she's actually running for a charity and that for me has to be when you get into them moments where it's tough, if you're running for a charity, that's number one for you. You think to yourself, why you're running this, the cause you're doing it for, that's something to give you a bit of stimulation. You know, it's something that really keeps you going. But going back to her original point about the tough parts, we all talk about mud shoot and we know mud shoots, it's not nice. But for me personally, last year with the Panda, as I come through mud shoot, I think about mile 14, 15, where you go through the tunnel down by Limehouse, and I've never had it before in a marathon. As I went into that tunnel, 
it just it did go bad for me. It went a bit wrong. And for the first time ever on a long run, I needed to go to the toilet. So I actually stopped, getting stripped off the panda costume, come back out, put it back on. And literally, I was all over the place. For the next two or three miles, I just couldn't get my bearings, couldn't get my head straight. It was that tunnel. And then it was straight into the Canary Wharf. And just that really, really did play with my head. Mentally, with running and marathons, I'm normally fine. It doesn't affect me. But that part of the course, I don't know. I think it's you go over Tower Bridge and it's just so incredible. And that part is what everyone's got to look forward to. You go over there, you've got that adrenaline, massive rush, and you turn right, you look at your watch, you're halfway, so then you know the hard work's going to start now. And as you go down that highway, the crowd gets thinner and thinner and thinner. There's a few less people, and it narrows a little bit. And just everything about that part of the course, for me personally, it's just a bit I don't like. But that's because I had a bad experience. The rest of it, there's not many bad things. And I say motivation for me, especially if you're running for a charity, absolutely, you've got to think of the reason you're doing this. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, mud shoot for years for me was a problem because I got I got injured there once. Um, I pulled up lame, and it was there's that turn. You know the pub on the corner. You turn left and you head to Canary Wharf. It was always that turn. Do you remember, Tove? I think we mentioned it when I was with you, just after fifteen odd miles, and you turn left. There's that pub on the corner, but you're basically the furthest out from Canary Wharf, and then you're turning back to Canary Wharf. That was always a mental block for me because, as I say, I had that injury and then I went back there the year after and it was just a mental, it really mucked me up. I struggle now um, coming between 20 miles and into the city. I struggled uh, there. You know, that, that it seems to go on forever because you go into uh, Upper Thames Street, down that, down that area. It's always because you know you've got to get the Big Ben and it sounds nuts because from Tower Hill, right, it's 5K <laughs> to be down there, right? But it's like the longest 5K of your life. And it just yeah. it just seems to go on because everything's starting to work by then, right? And it, and it's it, you go 21, 22, 20, all that round there. It's, it's a real head messer. For me, um, in the first part of the race, I always think about getting to see the see my family at, at Canary Wharf. I, I put the girls at Canary Wharf deliberately because I know I've got to get to them, right? Mm. If I get to them, I'm 18, 19 miles. I've got basically, for argument's sake, 10K left, whatever. It near or there damns it, right? If I'm absolutely shot to pieces, I can come out of Canary Wharf. They think I'm a hero. I think that most days. But then basically I can walk. I know I can walk the rest. What are they going to do about <laughs> it? So it's that point about getting to Canary Wharf, seeing the girls, and then after that, it sort of starts for me. That sort of, it was the same with us, Tobe, didn't we? We went through Canary Wharf and we was like, oh, got to 20 miles. He just looked at me and bugged. No, I had to because I wasn't meant to be doing it last year, remember? Um, but it is, it's getting that, getting to that point after Canary Wharf because that's where it where you come down past Billingsgate Fish Mark and you're like, right, yeah. this is now where the race starts. So I always focus on, that's why a top tip for me to you guys listening to this live or um, on, on, on the video or the podcast is put your family at Canary Wharf because it's 18, 90 miles. The whole way, you've got Cutty Sark, London Bridge, then you've got Narrow Street, and then you're thinking, I've got to get to the family at Canary Wharf. And then once you've done that, you slog it out for effectively six or seven miles. That's that's the way that I would look at it. But, yeah, that, that stretch from – it's about 21, about 21 to 23 miles. It's – it's, it's ball like I tell you. It's, yeah, it's tell you what, I, think, I think London Marathon events might have actually been listening to you. So I've seen this year for the first year. I think it is mile twenty-one. They're going with Rainbow Row. Have you seen that? Yeah, 
No, I, I haven't, but I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit suspect of the fact that they've been listening to me because if they've been listening, I'm surprised we haven't had a legal, you know, a stop notice <laughs> from them because of the sort of hammering that we've been giving them the last few weeks. So, mind you, right, they are listening. Few more, so I just want to crack I'll on if I like, fellas. Not telling me. Um, Dave Sowerby, he's got a clothing question. Um, given that I've been training in the heat and I've been supplied with a vest by my charity, do I risk getting very cold towards the end when adrenaline is running out and my pace is probably slowing to a walking pace? Cowboy up, wear your vest. Next. Okay. Um, Ruth Champion, friend of the show, listens and comes to Broxbourne. Um, she wants to know where the best place is for your uh, um, family to watch. I think you've just touched upon that. Okay, Rob Silito, first time running London. What's the best way to get to the start line? Tube, walk, bus or taxi? Train from uh, from London Bridge to Greenwich is the way yeah, I Yeah, or Mains Hill. You yeah, can walk so up. That's, that's probably the best way. Taxi, yeah. no chance, mate. Don't get no chance. Yeah, just get on the train with everyone else. It's part of the day. The, other, the, big, the big tube um, question is don't go to North Greenwich. Don't go to the, um, yes, don't go to the O2. It's miles away. It's not progress. <laughs> yeah. Go to Greenwich on the DLR fire. Yeah. Um, if you end up at North Greenwich, get on the Jubilee line, go to Canary Wharf and get on the um, DLR to um, Cutty Sark and then walk up the hill. Yeah. That's as Chris said, the race, day experience, the race day experience is all about the train as well. Everyone on that train is doing a London Marathon and everyone's yeah. buzzing, everyone's talking. It's all about it. Yeah. So don't think you're going to the wrong place. Just follow the crowd and hope and that if you see me, If you see me on that train, let me have your seat. <laughs> Okay, and this is the last one. I can't believe yeah. we've got through all these. Gavin Ebry, after crossing the finishing line, how roughly how long does it take to collect your bag, etc., and meet your friends and family um, at the lettered signs? Is that a good idea? Where would right, you? No, um, big tip, right? Here's the thing, right? I'm going to leave you with probably the best tip known to man. Okay, you can you can email in. What's the email? Gmail.com. and you can thank me. Twitter the subjects. Thank you, Fordy, right? Firstly, when you cross the line, there is some amazing people who volunteer at this event. And, right, you will come through that line, you'll cry. Some awesome volunteer will give you your medal. You'll probably wobble about a bit. But as you're wobbling about a bit, some hero in a truck will go 1138627 and they'll go and get your bag before you even got to them. And when you get there, your bag will be waiting. I'll never forget last year, I had these two amazing ladies, right? And they put, because you COVID, you weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to, your bed was in your bag. They put my medal around my neck for me. What legends they were. They're on the video. Check it out, the vlog from last year. Um, but they will see you before you see them and your bag will be ready. Okay. So don't panic about that. But here's the big tip. That's just two. If you're going for the number name deal, right, go with, go with Z or X. Because not many people have got a surname begins with Z or X, right? First thing. By the way, you won't get a phone reception. Or, like I do, I prearrange a point in which I will meet my brother every year. We always meet at the same place now. Right? He knows that he's got to scoop me up off the ground. So you, you was there last year. I, I go to the same place, and, and it's um it's towards, it's towards the end of the mouth. But it's the same place. So go on Google Maps, and you do the street view look with each other and say, I'm going to meet you there, right? So you don't even have to do all that sort of stuff. Ideally, it's on the left side or like down by Horse Guards Parade. That way, pick somewhere on street map, agree that you know where that is, 
and go to there. So either use X or Z, right? Don't use F for 40 or S for Smith or anything like that. Just or pick a place, a statue or or something relatively close to the finish because you're going to be hurting. Um, but pick a point on Street View. Go on Street View and you can find it. If you go on the 3D thing, you can look at it. I'll tell you what, there. there's lots of embassies. There's lots of different countries. Got yeah, but just pick, uh, we'll honestly, pick a statue or something like yeah. that or, or, a, or a post box or something that you know that you pre-agree. It's great. If you're up there, if you're traveling down, you're up there on the Saturday, go down to the mount and agree a place. Mm. That's the sort of thing to do. Me and my brother say, me and my brother, same place. If, if, for, for, this will be our fifth time. Okay, we so before we go, place. Hayden, what's your top tip for the London Marathon? Yeah, good shout. Top tip. Do you know what? It's it's easy to say, just enjoy it. But no, I'm going to say, honestly, be prepared. Be prepared. Or think of everything leading up to it that week before and get all your kit ready. Know what you want. As Chris said, watch the videos about what you need for after the marathon. Just think about everything. Plan your journey. As you said, arrange with your family where you're going to meet them. What you don't want to do is be stressing and worrying on this race. You need your mind to be focused on this run. And when you finish as well, the way you feel with emotions and the way your body is, you don't want to be thinking, where is my mum? Where is my wife? Where are my kids? You want to know where you're going, know what you're doing, and it will take the stress and recovery out of all of it. Yeah, Organisation then, that's the key. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Right, well, we've got through the questions. I mean, we've rattled through them. Yeah, we're here. I thought we were going to have to have a month's worth of specials before we got there. No, you, you've got to remember, Wilco, you're now dealing with with serious, serious professional podcasters. There is a I don't, reason know, I don't why. know if anybody would say serious, really, mate. No. But we're so really? massive globally now that there's, they, people expect this from us now. That, that's how good we are. Um, yeah. And can you let us know? Email in. What is it, Wilco? Longrunshow at gmail.com. After you've listened to this and whether you think Toby added any value okay right over to you Wilco yeah well thank you very much for joining us um yeah the boys are heading up um Ben Nevis and their training plan this week so that's why we're not live so you can download this um if you've either watched it on Facebook or YouTube or you can download it on um your podcast provider of choice whether that's Spotify Amazon or Apple or other place I'm sure there's others thanks very much for joining us thanks for joining us boys good luck with the London Marathon, we've got a couple. We're going to have a couple of shows before London's off. It's it's inevitable that we'll touch on stuff. So if you have got any other questions, you know, just bung them in, and we might be out of time to um to do some more. So um, they're always gratefully received. Thank you very much for joining us. Wish you all the best, whatever you're running this week, and uh, take care. And uh, we shall see you next week. Thanks, Toe. Can you do credits, please? Mm-hmm.